0: Welcome, everyone. It's, this is an impressive crowd for Friday night, summer in the city, uh, braving the weather, the heat. So we really appreciate this. We're going to start with some exciting introductions of our guests at this beautiful talking circle. To my right, Gail K. Baker is an award-winning illustrator known for her diverse projects, including eight New Yorker covers and 100, 100 empowering portraits for Vital Voices. Her feminine-themed artwork reflects various life experiences. Gail advocates for the therapeutic benefits of sketchbook practice and teaches painting workshops worldwide. And if you mingled around downstairs, have already met a number of uh, participants in your worldwide workshops. Um, Tonight marks the very first time that Gail's portraits for the Vital Voices book, which I'm sure many of you saw downstairs, um, have ever been on display in New York City and marks Gail's first ever New York City solo exhibition. So congratulations to Gail. Elise Nelson is the President and CEO of the international not-for-profit Vital Voices Global Partnership. She's a co-founder of Vital Voices, and hopefully Elise might share with us a little bit about her recent exclusive interview with Barbie director and co-writer Greta Gerwig. Ariella Suster, she is healing communities as a social entrepreneur who founded the design company Sequence a handcrafted accessories company that employs young men and women who are vulnerable to gang recruitment in El Salvador. And a gorgeous portrait of Ariella is featured in the book. Yay, Ariella, yay. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Um, Parker, who we already heard from a little bit. Um, Thank you for hosting, thank you to Pen & Brush. Parker Daly-Garcia is an art historian and the art director and curator here at Pen & Brush. Parker has held prestigious roles at art fairs such as NADA and Spring Break NYC. Parker taught at Syracuse University and has curated over 30 exhibitions and is a huge Barbie fan, so the fan of the movie, so hopefully we'll get to hear a little bit about that during our chat. So. Cutting two. Thank you from Kenya and Cape Town and Massachusetts and New York. There's been a lot of effort to, for all of us to be here tonight. So thank you so much. Speaking of Barbie, it would be great to know how many of us here have already seen the movie. Oh, wow. OK, I wasn't sure with the timing that we would have a huge crowd. So I hope there won't be too many spoiler alerts. I wanted to share lots of people that decided to plug their image, their face, into Barbie as part of the kind of anticipation for the movie. Um, it was also used by um, women's soccer in Brazil. And it was, this was another interpretation where um, Tatiana, instead of writing Barbie, she wrote Tati. And... I wanted to share these images to kind of kick off our conversation, and I'm sure um, many of you have seen already, but a lot of how we wound up being here together today revolves around portraits and the idea of art of power. How can you use art as a way to harness and tap into power? And I thought it would be really interesting to think about, you know, what does it mean to take your portrait and want to put your face possibly into the Barbie movie and say, okay, I'm Barbie, or I'm affiliating with Barbie, or I'm Tati, but also using the imagery, and then cutting to this beautiful concept of this book that has these 100 beautiful portraits. and. Um, As I read the book, I feel like I tapped a lot into, I I was feeling the power of all of those that were represented in the book. And so it might be fun to hear as we, I'm gonna just say it down the line, we have the concept, um, originator, the artist, uh, subject, and curator of the show. And we could kind of bounce around, you know, starting maybe with Elise of how we came to be here and how this beautiful book came to be centered around Gail's beautiful
1: portraits. You want me to tell the history of how we found each other? Well,
0: yeah, <laughs> or, or, and, and also I think this, um, the concept that you decided to center the book around a portrait and why that was considered the vehicle to um, share about the women featured in the book.
1: Yeah, well, I'm. I come from a family of a mother who's an artist. My brother is an artist, and I think I've always really understood the power of the arts and culture to be the one thing that actually can help change culture. So I've always, we've always found different ways of vital voices to bring the arts into our work. We have a theatrical play that we did years ago. We do a lot of storytelling in films, um, but it was really when I saw uh, in the Washington Post, and I have to say, I mean. I don't actually subscribe to the Washington Post. I am very sorry for the Washington Post people that are here. But this particular Sunday, I picked it up and was looking at it, and there was this incredible spread of portraits that had been commissioned. And Suzette is here. Where are you, Suzette? Who had put the whole thing together. She's actually the originator of the whole thing. Um, and it was, it was basically women artists talking about what they were feeling one year after the Women's March and obviously the many changes that had gone on in our country and our world since then. Um, so it was 2017, I guess it was 2018. And I saw that and I thought, this is really amazing. And I, I particularly as one of this woman with her dog and the cape, and I thought, I love this. This is, you know, my voice or my votes, my superpower so i i found gail just randomly on the internet i sent her an email told her who we were vital voices the work we do and literally it was like beat 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 and my phone rang (laughs) and um gail and i then had this incredible conversation and that started you know we started to do a couple small things together and then this idea emerged of course, we didn't have the money for it yet, so, you know, I'm like telling Gail, I'm like, okay, but, but don't worry, I got to get the money, you know, <laughs> but we made it happen. But I think, you know, from my perspective, I feel like, and I've been in the women's rights community for almost 30 years now, and I think from my perspective, I feel that, you know, laws are great, they, they change things. But at the end of the day, you really need people's buy-in. You need to not just speak to their minds, you have to speak to their hearts, and nothing does that better than the arts. And what I wanted to share is how women think about and wield and activate power in a different way And two other women who are featured in the book are here, Leila Zarondo and uh, Elsa De Silva from India, from Pittsburgh. (laughs) Um, And we wanted to show women who are like well-known household names, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We also wanted to show women who you don't know, but you ought to. And we wanted to show this common thread that women think about power in a different way. They think about having power, not just for the sake of having it, or the title or position or authority, but having it in terms of what can you do with it? Who can you empower? What issues can you push along? And we really wanted to tell that story. So I'm actually the editor, so I interviewed all the women in the book and then we edited the pieces down, but it's really their own words. Thank you, Elise.
0: And now Gail. It would be great to hear about creating these beautiful portraits.
2: Um, I just want to tell you guys a funny thing that happened with me and Elise down there. She pointed to the wall and she said the name of one of the women, and I was like, "No, no, no, that's Christine Lagarde." And she said, "You, you didn't even know who Christine Lagarde was four years ago, and now I it's said like, it much nicer." I it was like, oh, "Now no. look at you, <laughs> you know all you know." <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's like when she she would she would give me the list of names 10 at a time because they didn't have the whole list, they didn't have the budget. So I and and when I do a portrait, I really get to know the woman that I'm painting. I look at a lot of pictures of her, I read about her, I look at video if there's video. It's uh, uh, you know, I figure out Elise and I would discuss, like, how do we want to show her, and it's a very intimate um, process, and um, very powerful, because some of them have really, they became activists from really tragic things happening to them. And and it made them not want this to happen to other people, so they became activists. And uh, it's really the most incredible project I've ever worked on. And it's true, Suzette Moyer, who's sitting back there, is the person who hired me to do the Washington Post illustration, which I decided I wanted to focus on voting because it is one of the most important things. And so voting is my superpower, became like my thing. And, and, And so it's amazing how you can really see the thread of how we're sitting here right now and and some of these and these women are sitting in the room which is very special to me and 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 stacy saw the book and contacted me about getting connected with pen and brush so you know women are so powerful when they support and and help each other and um Okay. What else? What else am I supposed to talk about? Okay. Well, this.
0: So again, I'm going to reiterate. I again, art lover, and uh, this this combination that's here right now to be able to have this experience of the origination of an idea to the artist, and now Ariella, we could hear how it felt because um, that experience of having your face again when we think about these images we see in social media or how we use our face and how we use our words to and how we are can be received credit for our ideas and um, it would just be wonderful to hear
3: about how you experience the process. Um, So it's been such an amazing journey first of all with Vital Voices because um, like Elise said, you identify leaders around the world who we are working inside communities. We're not famous, we, you've probably no, never heard of us, but we're doing the work and we're moving a lot of people, we're impacting and we're trying to, to truly like expand our voices and our work. And to have Vital Voices you know, identify us and then give us a platform to speak, to, to hear our stories and, and to share what we do. I mean, it's so powerful. So when Elise was putting together, um, this book and you truly like spent so much time interviewing each one of us and, and asking us the questions. And, and when I saw it, I was like, not only is it my voice, but I looked at my picture. I was like, Oh my God, like the, what an honor, you know, like, um, and like you said, some of us started our work from a personal experience. I, I became an activist because I grew up in El Salvador. My family experienced violence firsthand. And, you know, for me, it was really special that, that not only Vital Voices had identified my work, but that somebody would take the time to think about, oh, wow, let me do a portrait and, and expand that, um, that light on especially the work that we all do. Thank you. Um, and now
0: it's really, I think would be wonderful, Parker, to hear a little bit because um, I can say behind the scenes, I was able to experience the transformation and the creation of Downstairs. And I also, I can out Gail a little bit because I know it's your first solo exp- exhibition in New York and it's, you're like, wow, what is it going to look like? And, and then Gail called me and she was like, oh, I love it. And, I, and it's so beautiful. Uh, so it'd be great to hear a, sort of your interaction with the process and the portraits and how it came to be. Yeah,
4: I mean, for me, it was an interesting. Um, I don't want to say there were two things happening, right? So there were the portraits, there was vital voices, which we really wanted to represent, and also the book itself is actually really important. So, but the book isn't on exhibition, right? Gail is, and Gail created the portraits. So how do we represent the book, but also tell Gail's story? And actually, Gail's a really good example of a woman that's doing... There, there are works down there that are simply for simplicity's sake, right? They're studies, they're you know, solitude, they're, they're not for something else, right? And so I think that has a value, and I think the portraits have a value as well. And so for us, kind of deep, or me, debunking that hierarchy and making all of it seemed new each time with each step was important because I think the woman, the singular woman, right? Gail is important, but also Vital Voices, Vital Voices the publication is important and that momentum, right? So we wanted to have give the publication a presence. I did. I wanted to give the publication a presence, but I also wanted to acknowledge that it lives in different formats, right? And that can, this can be on social media, this can be in different places. So we wanted to make sure we had the original portraits. And Gail was like, are you sure they're quite small? We were like, no, no, original. <laughs> um, and then we had these LED screens, which Gail was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I think you were like, can you send me a video of that? And I was like, trust, it'll, be really, it'll look really seamless and it'll, it'll give some variety and texture to the wall. Um, and I think that shows that this, this lives in different formats. So I think it takes it off the wall for people, which is really important because you can have high arts and contemporary art galleries all day long, but really mass culture is important in a parallel, just the same. Um, and so I think it has to be able to be applicable and available to people as well. So there's that kind of activism almost underlying it, right? And of course, this aligns perfectly with Pen and Brush's mission. Um, and then on the other side of the gallery, I wanted, it was important to me to separate the portraits from Gail's other work. Um, it's, it's a celebration of a woman alone of a woman being kind of like there's an ink drawing that I I imagine like after two glasses of wine listening to like Leonard Cohen or something like um, you know so a woman depicted in different different ways right not all comfortable which I find really interesting and when we Gail and I just much like how you created the portraits you and I talked and we talked a lot about your process and in that Zoom and what that was like. And you actually said at one point that solitude and making sure you, ha- you were alone became incredibly important to how you work. And it's true for so many women artists, but I think women are made guilty or penalized or there's something floating above a woman in solitude. So taking that and owning that space, right? Like, especially as a mother, a grandmother, like that's, there's something there, right? I think a lot of women artists... And I loved this opening. A woman artist had just given birth to a a child less than 10 days, and she brought the child with her to the opening. And I think that's so important, but it's rare. It doesn't happen often. So I think it's important to show a woman in all those different ways. So there's also women communing with women. There's women bathing, which were these incredibly, to me as an art historian, these scenes that women were kind of Niche to only depicting, right? Women depicting other women, women bathing, women in domestic scenes. So now in 2023, having been through the 1970s, having seen all of that, I thought it was a really powerful thing that Gail wasn't afraid to depict those things and the joy of it and to just let it be what it was. That, that kind of feminist gaze was almost turned on its head. And I found that really interesting and I thought it was something that we should try to build out. So love it. So, okay.
0: Turning more into the book, which wasn't really uh, the original intention. So my thought, and I know I bo- um, bounced this off of Gail as well. I said, "Well, Barbie is coming out. It's going to be huge. Everyone's going to, it's going to be, you know, tip of everyone's tongue, and it's a lot about." women empowerment or some really the complexity that's revealed in the movie around women's empowerment. And so I wanted to call the talk originally, like beyond Barbie, let's talk with real women. And we, we kind of reined it back in because we didn't want, I didn't really want it to be about Barbie. Um, and then I started reading the book in a hardcore way. And this is gonna sound a bit like an infomercial And that's not how it's intended, and I'm certainly not um, in any way affiliated with Vital Voices or selling any books, but it was—it really affected me. And sort of a bit what Arielle is saying, I felt that I was getting to know the women in the book and that they were real. And I started thinking a lot about media and how we're very, very comfortable to go see a movie like Barbie and to talk about it But when it comes to really learning about or spending some time, I mean, the book was so much more captivating to me personally than even the movie because these are real people that we could know. I mean, even starting with the story, you can look them up, you can find their social media, you can send a DM, you can reach out to their organization, and then very simply, there's sort of like a, in larger font, again, talk about like the art, the art of the word, right? We're in pen and brush. So the visual and the written word the, is part of the art. And the words in the book are part of the art and so affected me. And um, one of the mentors that motivated me to found Visible Women is featured in the book, which is Gina Davis. And she has an organization that was originally, originally called C. Jane Run. And this is just kind of where the serendipity, I feel like starts to really happen around, I feel like the the collaboration, pen and brush, visible women, now vital voices is, this was all meant to be to me. Because when I started thinking about Gina Davis, and you may not all know this, but it's very prominently on her website, this is not even in the book, but her main slogan is, if she can see it, she can be it. Now that's basically the Barbie slogan, right? So the book, I mean, Gina's work far predates this current Greta Gerwig Barbie movie, but it all comes together. And so, um, and I could say that many more times It honestly, last night, and I was chatting a little back and forth with Gail and I was like, I barely can speak because there was so many quotes that I wanted to share um, in this kind of process that I had, which maybe I could relate a little to Parker's curatorial process, to say, "Wow, I'm I'm really affected right now, and and this is inspiring me. These words, these images, and so um, I think that it might be nice just to talk a little bit about that. You know, in terms of that concept of the real intersection of the words and power, and and I'll just. One last, is that that's what I believe really the Barbie movie is about. The Barbie movie, I don't think Greta Gerwig or um, Margot Robbie, they don't want you to watch it say, that's a great movie, let me just move on with my life. They wanted us to come right here, right now, a few days after we all saw it, and talk. And then we'll talk and we can learn from one another about what we're doing. And motivate one another and inspire one another to take action. So I think that's sort of what happened here and how the book even came about was talk and then action. You know, so, you know, that was loaded, but can't help well, it. Well,
2: I would also say talk, crazy ideas, then action, because Elise has, cra- you know, like it was a crazy idea. A hundred women in eight to, for me to paint in eight months. Was it, it was. Even eight months? It was barely eight months. And by the way, there's
1: a few more than a hundred.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a few more than uh, a hundred because uh, uh yeah, because <laughs> some cause some actually said no to be in it, um but and and there's I'm sure they're all sorry now, but um. It, 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 it's like when you hear someone have a crazy idea. Instead of just thinking it's a crazy idea i i i I could just feel like the the power in it, and I just wanted to make it happen in any way that i could and she's right, the money wasn't there, the whole list wasn't there <clears throat> and I was just like let's just go let's just do it let's just get started and and that was really um, um a huge leap of faith, huge leap of faith yeah but um, you know, I wanted to say, because, because we came out of the Barbie movie, we went to see it with some friends, and one of the things that, that I realized that it really made me think about is uh, for years, um, I, was, uh, I was known as Peter Kitchell's wife, my husband, you know, was a well-known artist, and in where we lived, like, I was Peter Kitchell's wife. And then my daughter became like a famous musician and I was like Sonia Kitchell's mom. And then 11 years ago, I got a New Yorker cover, my first New Yorker cover. And my friends started introducing me by my name. This is Gail Kebaker and she's had a New Yorker cover. So there was a really long time where I really didn't even have my own identity, identity aside from my family. And... Um, you know, nothing wrong with that. It was just very empowering to finally be like, oh, that's me, you know, and that's, that's who I am now. And, and the whole idea of women women artists needing time to be alone in order to create is really hard because a lot of times we're seen as selfish for wanting to take that time. And I'm sure it's all over the place. It's not just with artists. So that's, and and I know for me, I mean, a number of my New Yorker covers were painted when I was alone on a painting retreat for two weeks, you know? It's like, good things come for me when I give myself the time to be alone. And it's not necessarily comfortable, It's, it's hard, it's lonely, but, you know, it forces my creativity to places that it won't go when I'm, you know, Dealing with other things and it's a real privilege to be able to do that
1: It's interesting I mean on the Barbie front, I have many thoughts on Barbie Um, (laughs) So I I grew up I wasn't allowed to have Barbies growing up. My mom would not buy them I always thought it was like a feminist move It was not she told me later It was like she didn't want to buy like Barbie then Ken then Skipper then the dream house then the Camper then the blah blah blah, you know, it was just like she was like, oh my god, it's all too expensive, right? So, um, but like, I have a daughter, I don't buy her Barbie. And I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, this is a funny story about me ending up interviewing Greta Gerwig and the whole thing because, I mean, it's like, we go into a toy store and like, my daughter's like, <gasps> steer clear of Barbie. You know, like, don't even say the word Barbie. You know, like, honestly, I'm that, I'm that mother, right? Because I didn't know what Barbie was today. I only knew Barbie from before, which is like, it's this like impossible, you know, uh, figure woman who, you know, is blonde and blue-eyed and whatever, you know, impossible, basically. So um, when we got the call from Motion Picture Association and Warner Brothers to join them in hosting a preview screening the Monday before the Friday it was released, I was like, huh? You know, Barbie, the, like, what does that have to do? And then I looked into it and I was like, oh my God, Greta Gerwig made this movie? And look who's in it. I was like, wait a minute. Okay. So I started doing research because I'm like, okay, okay, let me, let me figure this out. And I thought, wow, this is one of the most feminist film directors. They wouldn't let me see the movie, by the way, before. They were so afraid, obviously. I mean, for good reason, right? There was so much buzz. And I'm like, okay. And it's, what was really interesting when I went to our team and I said, okay, what do you all think about us doing this? And by the way... Greta Gerwig's going to be there, and I'd be interviewing Greta Gerwig after. And, you know, like, I mean, I feel like my super fan stardom is like, <laughs> I'm such a fan of hers. I don't want that to get in the way of, like, is this a smart decision for the organization? And what was fascinating is that it was a generational split. And also, I think, a split of um, even, even, like, even among, like, black women in the organization, if they were, like, just 10 years older than another black woman it was a huge split it was like absolutely not and then it was like oh my gosh yeah barbie is so cool i mean yeah i mean Issa Rae is the president in this i mean oh my gosh yeah it's great and i have to say so so ultimately we decided to do it we a lot of our team came and they were like so excited um but i was like i'm not going to do this interview without hitting it head on um you know and and they were like oh you should wear pink i'm like no, I won't be wearing pink. (laughs) I wear pink a lot, people who know me. (laughs) But I was like, no, no, I I can't look like I'm, like, you know, part of, like, the the man, right? To, like, sell the Barbie, right? So, but it was an incredible interview because she actually shared that her mom wouldn't let her play with Barbies. And then I felt that it was okay to say, well, my nine-year-old daughter might very well be out on the street protesting. No Barbies are allowed in our house. You know, (laughs) anyway, but... um, But what I thought was amazing about the film um, was that she did go straight to the controversy. She did not, she was not gonna make, you know, and the fact, I mean, the way that Mattel is portrayed, I mean, I don't, I'm sure Mattel has more women than it made it look like, but they just went way overboard. And I mean, ultimately it's gonna work in Mattel's favor. But I think, you know, we talk about the power of the arts, right, and the power of culture to shift and change culture millions upon millions of people are gonna go and see that movie. They're gonna sit there, they're gonna see all the images of patriarchy the way they've never seen it before, and they're gonna laugh about it, but then they're gonna think about it because laughing is a great way to get you to think. You know, they're gonna actually also see how like, you know, a totally feminist, feminist utopia, which, you know, they, they show, you know, the Barbie land to be is actually not ideal, right? And, and actually how critical it is that men and women you know have our place and, and, and there's equality, right so I thought the messages were so powerful, but it was also it didn't go too dark. I, I thought it was really great that they actually showed how a feminist utopia isn't actually isn't actually a utopia either you know and that really it's about both both sharing in that equality so I, I thought it was incredibly powerful and now i'm really proud that we <laughs> co-hosted it, but it was a it was a scary move that I Thought hard about. Okay, so I
0: have a feeling that I'm hoping at least that we're gonna wind up having a bit of an inclusive talking circle environment, and I want to um, get into that. But so please, like, think if you're getting ready to want to chat a little bit. And um, Justin, how do you think we could pass around the microphones? What would be the best way to do it? Okay, so we have a wireless microphone, so you can kind of do this. And I'm just before we do that, I'm uh, like a rapid fire, I just, I wanted to, this is important to me to make this one last, share this one last thought, in that um, Gail and Pen and Brush, and um, I was glad for it, decided to title the exhibition, Power and Joy. And I think that really ties, Elise, to what you were just saying, that, it was it was fun to watch the movie and and there's a lot of good lessons and things that come out of it and I think also it, like going from the solitude of creation but also I think we don't explore enough around just having fun and joy is powerful. I hope we're, everyone's having fun tonight that this is a joyful experience like that's tapping into that is so powerful so um, as you're thinking, and we can circle it back into Barbie or any of the other things we touched upon. It'd be just fun to hear, like, and I know that was really important to you, Gail, yeah. so please.
2: Yeah, so, so one of the things that I've discovered, especially in the last few years, that I, when I started teaching with my uh, amazing artist teaching partner, Jennifer Orkin Lewis, who's right there, we teach these workshops all over the world. All women come to our workshops, we teach them on Zoom, we get like three, four hundred women signing up on Zoom. What, what we teach and what I've learned to really bring into my art is that if I'm not having fun and I'm not feeling joyful while I'm painting, then I figure out a way to change it so that I am. And that's not to say that sometimes it's not hard to finish a piece, that's not the same thing. But To find joy when you're creating, I'll speak for myself, to find joy when I'm creating is hugely important. And we find that when we teach these workshops, women come in really scared, really afraid to do things, really afraid to use black, really afraid to paint people. And at the end of the week, we see these major transformations of women who have like conquered their fears. Because we've like, given them permission to do things in a way that they never have before. And it's incredibly gratifying. And I've definitely brought it into my own work. Where I have a project where I'm on my third sketchbook of painting my granddaughter. And my, my criteria for every painting is I have to be having fun. I have to be feeling joyful. And it doesn't have to look like her. So there's no rules. So my only rule is that I'm having fun. And it's really changed the way that I paint. And, it's, and, and I feel like we've been able to share this with a lot of people. And people tell us, oh, wow. I, somehow they didn't really know that they could just have fun. Like it was they're supposed to do it a certain way that's actually not that fun. But no, actually, you can change it to have fun. That's it. Yeah. I have to say, uh um,
1: I love that. And I have to say that it stuck out to me downstairs. I took a photo of it, the joy and power, because those are two words you rarely see together. And I think it's back to what I was saying about how women are redefining power and what it means. I think for a long time, women would always say to me, well, I don't want power. No, 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 power's dirty. And it's like, no, let's redefine it. Let's take it and redefine it. Um, and you know, I think the work that we do at Vital Voices, and honestly, it's an incredible privilege is you know on my in my portrait, if you recognize me, um, <laughs> it was a couple years ago. I was a little younger. Um, uh, so use my power to empower. That's my mantra. Which there's a long story as to why that's my mantra. But you know, that that woman with the the superpower cape is um, is uh, Amanda Gorman. You know, my voice is my superpower. She's a woman who was born with a speech impediment, and then found her voice through writing, and now performs it, obviously, you know, at the Super Bowl, at the inauguration, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? So, I think, to me, I would not still be doing what I'm doing if there wasn't the joy, and the joy really comes from the hope, the incredible hope, and, you know, I think people have talked about there's a difference between happiness and joyful, and... joy is is more holistic. It's more long-term, right? They talk about how when you become a parent, maybe you're less happy, but you're more joyful, which is really true. It's like a (laughs) richer, richer, deeper state. And, you know, we know there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of terrible things in the world. But there's also an incredible amount of hope. And that's what I get the opportunity to see every day is women who have experienced incredible trauma and difficulty, and they've been able to overcome but not just overcome but pull others along and you know make other people's lives better and there's tremendous joy in that and I think also we can't take ourselves too seriously and that's what I said to our team when they were like maybe we shouldn't do this Barbie thing and I'm like we also you know like yeah last week I was in Ukraine talking to women there and we were supporting women there but this week I think it's okay to be with Barbie like why do we have to be so defined that this is the only brand of feminism have to uh Gail said, I'm not sure if Elise is gonna to wanna to talk about Barbie,
0: <laughs> and I said, I think she will. And I was, I'm glad I was right, so. Well,
2: yeah. I had the same reaction that Elise had before she investigated it, when, when, when Stacy said, oh, maybe the theme could be around Barbie, I was like, Barbie, ugh, I don't know about that. And then I got completely sold on it. I mean, it was perfect
0: any further joy Joy. comments on joy joy. and
3: then we're opening this up joy and joy and power like i was out um so uh, first of all i want to take that class because when you were talking about it i I got like so excited that i want to take i want to be there (laughs) your 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 painting class Oh come, yeah they're really Um, fun you know (laughs) when i think about finding joy, and I feel like my sisters who are in that book would, would agree, is that we found joy sometimes in places that would have seemed like the dark place to go, you know, like something that had created pain in us or something that had had created a traumatic experience and then going back and creating something positive and then getting a joy out of it. And I feel like that's, A, how I feel now about my work and, and also, I think finding Vital Voices has been, my God, something that has been life-changing, I think, for all of us who are a part of it. And knowing that we're not alone, knowing that there's women around the world doing really hard work, but when we're together and we, you guys bring us together, everybody is, just has so much fun, you know? and, and we don't talk. We talk about our work, but we also share, you know, all the things that amazing things that are happening. And, and I think for the first time, I worked in fashion for many years, and I never felt the way that women in Vital Voices collaborate with each other. Like every single one of us, I think, finds ways to uplift the other. And I think that that has been so special. And I think it also comes from the top down. And I think. You know, you've you've really feel like get involved in in what we do and and a lot of us turn to you when when we go through hard times and I think that, you know, it's it's incredible for an organization with so many women to have somebody at the top who we could literally turn and talk to. So that brings you a lot of joy.
4: Um, my experience is maybe a little different. I think I, my experience in the art world and in New York, in fashion and things like that, is there's this feeling that like being excitable or getting excited and experiencing joy and being thrilled about something is like, whoa, whoa, like calm down. And I think that that is something that I experience a lot, um, especially going to like big gallery openings and being thrilled about an artist and feeling you know, that expressing that makes me somehow naive or, like, brand new. And, like, I've been in New York all my life and lived in the city for a long time. And I think maintaining that and and having, not feeling ashamed or, again, naive for expressing that is something that's really important to me. But it is something that I experience a lot, even with other women and peers in in the same um, fields. So I think it's an interesting thing expressing joy in my role, and in, and in New York, it's a really interesting thing. Um, and I'd love to hear what you all, your all experiences are and what you all think about it. But I also think that it's important that joy looks how it, how it feels to you, right? Like, it doesn't have to look the same to every single woman or person or, you know, in any way.
0: Okay. All right. Um, I think we have... Love. Uh, Over here. Elsa, thank you. And and also, please, 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 you can feel free to stand up, uh, orient as many people could see you, and introduce yourself, because we are here to get to know one another. So thank you.
5: Hi, I'm Elsa Marie da Silva from India, and I'm also part of Vital Voices and in the book. I'm the founder of Red Dot Foundation uh, and Red Dot Foundation Global. They are nonprofits that work on gender equity, safety and justice. And when I was hearing the conversation and thinking about all my wonderful sisters who are featured in the book and the many, many other wonderful leaders, including my uh, friend and partner, Sapreet, who's not in the book, but a Vital Voices Fellow, I think of power, joy and fun. But these are not really words associated with women leaders. Mm -hmm. And when we think of women leaders, the journey is often very lonely. So it was such a privilege that you would feature 100 or more of us in a book. You would paint us and hearing your process, and this is the first time I've actually met Gail, so thank you very much for the portrait. But it was a huge honor that somebody would take time to, like Ariella said, get to know you, listen to what you've said, see videos, pictures of you, and then paint you. And I think it makes you really feel seen and heard. And in Vital Voices, we have a concept called pay it forward. So if you are at a place where you can pay it forward, you definitely should. Because, again, power, joy, and fun in women's leadership is often expressed in community. And that's what I think of vital voices, my tribe, you know, and what we've done, not only working with survivors of sexual violence, but during the pandemic, we've now written three books called She Is, probably inspired by what you've done, where we featured now hundreds of women in sustainable development, in steam, in water, and now the fourth book, which will come out, is in chemistry. And the idea is that there are amazing women all over the world doing amazing things. But when you put on the TV, when you open the newspaper, when you go to conferences, who's sitting on the stage? They are often all men. And they are often all one kind of man you know? So we need to break that stereotype. And when I watched the movie Barbie, you know, the stereotypical Barbie, I was just thinking that you just need to go to this book to see all the different kinds of women of all shapes and of all beauty and the different kinds of things that they are showing up in their world. And I would encourage you to look at it downstairs, (laughs) but also look around you and Acknowledge the women in your lives who make it easier for you to live, thrive, and love. So thank you. would like to ask you
1: about um, the idea of the muse, um, and as it relates to Greta Gerwig, uh, I think in, a, in an interview years ago, someone asked her partner Noah Baumbach um, about Greta um, as his muse, um, and I think um, Greta was later asked about his comments, and and um, and um, said that you know that is not that is not what she would like to represent or or be for her artistic partner, and I think they really are the epitome of um, artistic partnership. So maybe if you could speak a little bit more about as a, how that
2: relates to you. Okay. Um, all right. So, a yeah. So I got, a, I got a couple of good things to answer to you there. First of all, my husband's an amazing artist, and he's 10 years older than me, and he was very much more successful than me when we met. And I really value his, um, his artistic opinion If he sees something and he's like, oh, that's really good. I know I've done something good. If he sees it and doesn't say anything (laughs) or he's like, "Eh," then I revisit what I'm I'm working on. So I I do really value uh, his opinion a lot. Uh, Our whole family is very creative and we're also very uh, critical. So we have to be careful uh, sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I painted uh, my daughter a ton. And now my granddaughter is like my biggest muse. And also, there's a lot of nudes down there. And with a few of my friends, uh, Jennifer and a few other artists, we started painting models on Zoom. And that was hugely uh, inspiring, and uh, which I never would have imagined. And um, so, I was thrilled when, when, when Parker and Don chose a, a number of those to include in here because I would never have given them much importance. Some of them might have even ended up in my trash because I did so many of them that I didn't have like, space to put them anywhere. Oh, I, I never paint myself, never. I hate painting myself. Oh okay wait wait, wait 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 okay okay wait 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 okay the way that I paint myself is I I set my video camera my video my phone onto video I I put it on a tripod I walk into the frame and then I I pose in the way that I know I want but it's not my face it's my body I know what I'm looking for um, in terms of a pose, so I do pose for myself, but it 's always for the feeling, not the specifics. And I would say that 's actually a, a big part of my work is about the feeling of something instead of the specifics. And I would say that 's the same about my portraits is that I try to capture the essence of a woman. And the feeling of them, rather than exactly what they look like. And we're working on a new project now, actually, of 17 new women, which I'm very excited about, uh, that we're embarking on now. And actually, Aaron Robinson, sitting right here, is one of the other artists. And Elise didn't even know she was going to be here. So I'm actually art directing that project. So it's me and Erin and another artist. So that's very exciting, also.
6: Um, it doesn't reach? Anyway, I'm going to go here. Um, I have a question on process. So one of the things when I was reading, um, oh, I'm Lea Lizarondo, and um, I'm with Vital Voices, and one of the women. Um, And her portrait is downstairs. (laughs) You must read her story. (laughs) Well, when I read um, one of Greta Gerwig's interviews on the feel of Barbie you know, it's all because it's such a visual, a very visual movie. One of the things that I read was that, you know, in Barbie land, one of the things she was really careful about was that there's no black or chrome, right? So there's all these, no black or chrome, right? In Barbie land. So it's like these little rules. So when you're, you know, thinking about a feel or when you're painting, I'm really curious, like, do you have any, like idiosyncratic things you like oh i don't like that or that's not something i want to do or it's like little rules for yourself because your paintings are very distinct like these paintings your new yorker covers it's like you can tell it's a gail baker like there's a style so what are your kind of little idiosyncrasies it's really i'm curious about that
2: I had a teacher in art school named Gladys Parent Palmer, who you should all look up, she's amazing. And she always said to never draw the line of the chin in a hard line because it's ugly, especially if you're looking up. So I never do that. It's like, you won't ever see a really hard edge. And, um, you know, one of the things when working on these, these, these portraits, especially on the older women, Especially if they had a lot of of, um, of wrinkles and you know a lot of neck folds and all that kind of stuff, there's a way to depict them that it still looks like them, but I'm minimizing some of that stuff so that it's not. It's it's more flattering, and I don't feel like I'm airbrush. You know, it's not like I'm like trying to make them look like, you know, 20, 40 years younger. I still want, like like Madeleine Albright, she's downstairs, you know, isn't she? Oh, she's on the, she's on the LEDs. Oh, she's on the yeah, LED. Anyway, Christine Lagarde, there's a lot of older women in, in there, and it was very interesting to paint older women and figure out that balance, because it's tricky, you know, it's tricky. And I want, I want to always bring out the most beauty. Like that scene in the movie where, where Barbie turns to the older woman and says, you're beautiful, you know, and they wanted to take that scene out. Like if you read in interviews, they wanted to take that scene out and she insisted on keeping it in. And it's so beautiful. And, it, and um, so it's like finding the beauty in the portraits of any woman. I mean, really, you can find it and I, I can try to find it in, you know, in everyone. Sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it takes me longer. But, you know, I'll find it.
0: I think we'll have to... Oh, I
2: see. We have a question back there.
0: Oh, wait, we, we, we need to wrap up. So we're going to have to uh, talk a little bit amongst ourselves. I want to just share... Um, this has come up at every Visible Women talking circle. So I'm going to bring it tonight really quickly. That... Um, and I apologize in advance, Gail, if I'm outing you on this conversation, but I'm so thrilled about these beautiful questions that are being asked of you about your process, about your art, because Gail did confide, and I don't think this was a secret, about, you know, everyone that has come across conversations and intersect with visible women consistently, I've heard the the concept of imposter syndrome. And I just feel so gratified, again, in the interest in you, your beautiful work, and that these are some of the things that we all have to think about and grapple with and then overcome, right? Because even um, someone as talented and brilliant and beautiful work like Gail, this is a universal, something you know that we really i think need to dive into and i think um the work of vital voices the work of pen and brush i the work of visible women i think this is turning into thank yous right now um thank you to ori and see you tomorrow the work of um everyone that's been involved and justin and Iz and uh, visible women ambassadors and adam and julia thank you because i feel like this is i'm going to use it now vital work Um, that we're doing Vital Conversations. So uh, vital that you came to participate with us tonight, that this only occurs um, collectively, collaboratively. So um, thank you so much. Um, Visible Women is a membership-based organization, so please check us out. Um, We are, because we knew that this would happen, we'd get cut off. And this beautiful opportunity with a month-long pop-up at Pen & Brush we're having another talk on August 24th, so please save the date, and we'd love to get more people involved in the conversation, so please come, and we try to have these monthly talks, and Gail does have some exciting news that will, you wanna share like a teeny-teeny, but. Hey, uh, I you know, okay, we, uh, well, we could save it for the next talk, but okay. there will be exciting developments. Yeah,
2: well, but and also uh, Leah is going to be part of the talking circle, and hopefully, a few other vital voices, women, and it will be equally as compelling as this talking circle, so yes. we hope to see you on august twenty fourth 24th. august twenty fourth 24th. and the you. show and the show ends on the twenty sixth so it'll feel like the closing party yes, yes, opening and then
0: closing so In closing, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to, again, from far and wide, Kenya and Cape Town and everywhere. Thank you all for being here. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the conversation, thank you.